Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. Soil cousins, hey, how are y'all? I hope that y'all are well, feeling refreshed and rejuvenated by the time you hear this episode. We will be on the other side of daylight saving. We finna spend it. We will be spending some daylight because we will be having these longer days. This vernal, like, mm, it's, oh, we ready. I know I'm ready. Longer days is like, I don't even care if it's still like a little bit chilly. The fact that I can frolic, because I love to frolic. Who don't love to frolic? After the hour of like seven, like, the fact that I can frolic at 8 p.m. and just knowing we spending it. Let me tell you why. <laughs> I'm excited, so I'm going to calm down. We're spending the daylight simply because it is such an abundance of it. And it's kind of like, you know, if you were to get like a, 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 a lump sum of money or some kind of windfall and you feeling really good when you first get the money because you're like, oh my God, I got so much. And that's how it feels to me at the very beginning of the time change when we just are adjusting to having so much more daylight to, and of course the plants are like, yes, we love this shit because they get all that good vitamin D and all those other vitamins and, and science things that I'm not finna try to lie to y'all about. Uh, that make them feel so great and grow and thrive and all the good shit. So, yes, speaking of that, I'm very much excited about getting started outside growing, uh, specifically vertically. All right, send me an email, blackinthegarden at gmail.com if you have any tips on vertical gardening because for me, and we're going to get into this in a whole other episode, actually, but my experience with gardening like over the last three years, especially outside, has just been, it's not been what I wanted it to be. So that's the best way I can say that. But I am going to be gardening outside 2021, boom shakalaka, vertically. I really want to do that in a really fly way. So if you understand what vertical gardening is, then just hit me up if you want to just give me your tips on how you make it fly. I'm talking about like trellising and all that fly stuff because I'm into it. What I am currently growing right now, if you've been keeping up on Instagram, is mushrooms, specifically pink oyster mushrooms. And I'm not going to name the brand specifically because that actually leads into another point that I'm going to get to in a moment about sponsorship. But... I am currently, myself and the kids, I love them. <laughs> They're so cute. I just knew that this was going to be a really cute little project. And so it truly is because things that grow quickly are my absolute favorite. And these mushrooms are... We, it's been eight days and they're pretty much ready for harvest. So I like to think of that type of fast-growing a week to the plate kind of, you know, a week from the start to the plate as like nature's fast food. And how dope is that? That, you know, that is something. Here's another fun fact about mushrooms, especially for all you 
what I call them. The, uh, not the vegans. Shout out to the vegans, of course. But the word that I use is veggie centric. So shout out to all my veggie centric heads out there. Uh, all I want to say about mushrooms, these specific ones, oyster mushrooms, is that they do pack a lot of protein. So if you've been considering, you know, some plant based kind of protein alternatives, because, you know, it's just healthier for us, then by all means, look into mushrooms and especially growing them. Get you a little kit and we'll figure out what kind of mushroom kit, mushroom people sponsor type of people we can get. So let's get right into that. Boom. Sponsorships. All I'm going to say is this. Black in the Garden has been produced and everything else that goes into making it happen uh, all off of my dime and all pretty much like not not like bringing in all them kind of sponsorship dollars like that. And really, we take in media all the time, especially the type of media that has ads like YouTube and things like that. So I'm not going to get too deep into it. We just all know that commercials pay the bills. And I'm not about to bring in anything that's going to be ridiculous. But I just want you all to be prepared because your girl is in need of getting some of my investments back that I've put into this show. So we will be having sponsors, especially for sure on season four, which will be coming up around May. So just prepare yourselves for that. It'll be dope. To the best of my ability, I'll make sure that, you know, you you at least kind of enjoy it or whatever. But just know that bills got to be paid and uh, sponsors going to pay them. Okay. And happy Women's History Month. I know that I haven't made a big, a lot of noise about it, but I mean, I'm, I'm legit a woman. Like, ain't I a woman? You know what I mean? <laughs> I got my kids. All the evidence is there. All right. Not that anybody's questioning it, but... I'm just saying all that to say, happy Women's History Month. Women are just so like, <laughs> the way that women contribute to just everything in the whole world, we should be celebrated like every minute. And I am just celebrating myself and, and giving myself a lot of space and a lot of grace to just be a woman who is making history. And so that's that's really how I how I move in consideration of that. So there's that. And one thing that I wanted to kind of just go over right quick, because I know if you heard the last episode and there was a lot of talk about sowing seeds and stuff, I listened back and I'm like, yo, I just need to like continue to work on my craft of telling stories and, and getting there, being very clear about points that I'm making. When I mentioned sowing seeds and I kind of gave a little bit of input on how to do so, what had happened was I was like, hey, sew it like this. My my edit, my update is very simple. A seed should be sown about three times the depth of the size of that seed. Does that make sense? So if it's a very tiny seed, it doesn't need to be buried that deeply. If it is a larger seed, then it would benefit from being planted deeper about the depth of the about three times the depth of the size of that seed so you know ask auntie google a little bit more about that that is just kind of like a 
a simple little rule of thumb to consider when you're sowing seeds. I know that uh, many of us are doing that at this time, and I didn't want to be one to steer you wrong. I didn't. I, and that's that. That's that on that. So we about to get into this interview, which is amazing. Oh my god! Look, I'm I'm gonna come right back to that because I just need to let y'all know that. Right now, you can go to blackinthegarden.com. That's the thing. B-L-K in the garden.com. We got shirts. I just hit my hand, hit my, because I'm excited. I just punched my hand with my hand. <laughs> we got shirts. We are very excited about that. We are so pleased to finally have some merch to roll out. There are so many dope things that are in store to come in this season and we are so grateful to all the OG soil cousins for rocking with us like you have in order to get to this point. Now, you are about to hear, speaking of, as I mentioned, you know, alternative protein sources, we about to get into that thoroughly with our guests. This is an unprecedented type of subject that I've never really discussed on Black in the Garden. So I am very thrilled to be able to bring that to you with the homie, Javon. She is so like, the way she speaks, the what you hear from her, she like that all the time. And, and I just feel like, it just feels like peanut butter and jelly with me and her. We had such a dope conversation with, she's just a dope individual, but just the whole concept of well, you about to hear it because I'm not going to spoil it for you. So I want you to enjoy that. I want you to, I want to turn off my timer because you know what I'm saying. I be having things to remember. But look, this episode is going to be fire. It has, it was just, you'll see. So I appreciate you all for rocking with me. Make sure that you get on over, check the show notes in case you didn't take note. It's Black in the Garden, but that's blk in the garden.com get you a shirt rep it with pride get into this episode i appreciate y'all love light and soil today on black in the garden thank you so much for lending us your ears you could be anywhere in the world right now but you are here talking with me and Javon, who is an entomologist. We've had an entomologist on the show before. Trust me, this is going to be real different and you're going to like it. Welcome, Javon, to the podcast. Thank you. When did you first realize that plants were an important part of your life? College. I learned about meditation. I already had a couple plants, but then I learned about meditation. And my degree in Iowa specifically is agriculture-based. And so I had the opportunity to take a couple horticulture classes and gathered a few plants, learned how to farm. You did? Did not know that. My own, like your tomatoes and greens, any veggies that I wanted to, I learned how to do that. And once I figured out or understood what meditation was, and I caught myself meditating, while I'm gardening, it's just like, bro, okay. Oh, next level. Plants are my meditation. Brilliantly said. And I love the way you were so succinct about it. It's like, okay, wait, this was the exact moment. What college did you go to? Iowa State. Go off. Shout out to Iowa because there are Black people there, y'all. There truly are. And she is evidence of that. So you was in college. You was meditating. You had a few plants. But... This is the question I want to ask. You said that you learned how to farm. 
Mm -hmm. Can you speak to the difference between gardening and farming? In my opinion, I think a lot of farmers can attest to that. Farming can sustain life, whereas gardening can be someone tending to their outdoor plants. That can't sustain my life at all. So I garden indoors right now. My plants, they don't give me any, I mean, they give me oxygen, which I'm very grateful for, but that's all I can get out of them is oxygen and maybe a few other things like my meditation. However, when I'm farming, I get to eat. I can sustain myself. That you do. And so farming is a more sustaining practice. So boom, you went to Iowa, you went to college, meditated, farming, gardening, all that good stuff. I'm pretty sure just like being considerate of how I put the show together, right? I would have already indicated to the people, look, hey, perhaps you might want to be eating or something, having a snack while listening to this podcast. You might not want to do that for this one because we're going to talk about entomophagy, which tell us what that means. Entomophagy is the consumption of insects by humans. Right. And so I really love y'all. This is so dope because the way that I got in touch with all of this, what had happened was, you know, I was on Instagram like I be doing and I came across your page. I really don't remember how I truly don't. But I know it was more than six months ago. And I just remember noticing it has the aesthetic of like a foodie page, right? There's meals. There's these really cute bowls of things and plates of things. Took a few more glances before I recognized that. Oh, okay. So that's bugs. All right. I'm pretty sure that I just like silently followed you because I had, you know, I had like misconceptions or whatever. I'm just going to be real. But I didn't think that you were weird. What I loved about what was happening with your page was that it was very much like, hey, this is culinary arts over here. This is for me. This is mine. And I'm sharing this with y'all, but it's not up for debate as to whether or not you need to do it. So I could appreciate getting that much. But then when I do finally decide, you know what? I'm curious. I would like to know more. I think you were on live and I think I might have joined you. Is that what it was? You was on live and then like I was commenting in it and then I might have sent you a request or something or you were like, hey, you want to come and talk with me? And when we got into that conversation, that is when I learned that you were an entomologist. And I was just like, yo, talk about commitment. You are entirely devoted to this bug life is what I like to call a hashtag bug life. It's a play on thug life, if you will. So what came first, entomology or entomophagy? Entomology came first. Okay. Talk us through how you got started with entomology. I know that you did mention you went to school for agricultural things. Was this like a double major, minors? Let us know what it is. So I've always wanted to become an entomologist since I've been like five or six. And I remember squishing my sister's ladybug. This is a story I always tell people. If you ever had a light bulb go off in your head, like, whoa, it was that point where I was like, whoa bugs like okay cool I've always had supportive teachers my mom always supporting me my dad took a little bit to get there but when it came down to I want to be a bug scientist in my head first it was a bug scientist third grade Mrs. Walls at Willowland Elementary let me know that sweetie it's an entomologist and I feel like she did a whole bunch of bug things for the class for me I don't know if they're great special when I learned it was an entomologist, that's just where my head was going, entomology. I'm going to college to be an entomologist, guys, and went to school to become an entomologist. However, Iowa State, 
being in ag school, you take a whole bunch of different courses that pertain to entomology, but are ag based. So like your pest management courses has nothing to do with the things that I like about bugs. It taught me air crops and how to spray and whatnot. So that's not a little boring. It is boring. It's very boring. And you were more interested in what, like the behavior of bugs and like the anatomy of bugs. What was it that you found most fascinating about them? Learning about them, the learning, the unknown about them. I wasn't trying to figure out how to do things about them. I wanted to Mm -hmm. know them. So my regular entomology course taught me the biology. I'm like, bro, yes, I'm inside a bug right now, like dissecting a bug in lab class. That's cool. Collecting bugs. For class, that's cool because you have to identify them. And then when you identify them, you learn about them and what groups they're in and what orders they belong to and all the above. I actually got extremely lucky to attend Iowa State at the time frame that I did because I attended, or at least got to join at least four experimental courses. And if anybody's ever taken experimental courses in college, they're pass or fail and they're ridiculously easy. It doesn't mean that they're going to stick around forever. They're just experimental courses to see how they're going to do on campus. So I took a beekeeping course, which is like, yes, I needed that. I got the book, kept it and everything. I took a forensic entomology course. It was dope. And the projects that we did was phenomenal, supported my photography and everything. So I'm going to call myself lucky because those classes are literally put in like every other semester, every so often. So I just, I got to take a few of those courses, which fed my inner child of wanting to know more about bugs. What can bugs do? It did. Can we get into the forensic entomology? Because, yo, like, what is that? It's like they call you down to the crime scene and they're like, we found a roach. Can you tell us if he witnessed the crime? (laughs) Something similar. If you think of the show CSI Miami, Grissom is an entomologist. They call an entomologist down to a crime scene and they say, can you tell me anything about this scene? And I have a book that calculates the time of death based mm-hmm. on the insect succession on a body. You learn that only insects, only certain insects feed on a body. Certain insects can only feed in certain type of weather on a body. There's this amazing book, which I highly recommend it. It's called Maggots, Murder, and Men. It's written by a forensic entomologist. And he gives you 50 <laughs> of stories uh-huh. about crime scenes. And so to give you an idea... They found a dead woman in the forest, hundreds of miles from her crib, and they placed her at the crime scene of her apartment based off of like a flower and a bug that can only be found in a certain area of her neighborhood. Oh. I got to eat lunch with one of the nation's few forensic entomologists. There's only about, there's a handful, there's like 14, because they're county, they're county based. People really don't rely on them as much, but you only need one because one will travel to and fro in a certain area. And right. he told me that a certain case that we all have heard about since we were growing up, the person who was in that case was 100% guilty because of the entomological data that his other forensic entomologist friend worked on, but they didn't put it in trial. So therefore, she either walked or something like that. But I'm over here. Really? Mine was definitely guilty. He goes, absolutely, based off the entomological data. So I was like, word. The forensic entomologist kind of cracked the case. He was a, definitely a big part of it. So yeah, like it's putting together a whole bunch of puzzle pieces and the forensic entomologist was a piece of that puzzle and he's looking at all the data plus his and he's like, absolutely. But they left it out Whoa. because well, that stuff's not important. Like how can a bug tell you 
how somebody died or where they died. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that not every case where the forensic entomologist comes in to give their testimony that won't necessarily be relevant to determining the outcome of that? That is correct. A lot of people don't appreciate entomology, just not knowing how important insects are. I see, Obviously, I disagree because I'm talking to you. I see the I see you. Can I say that? I see you. You, you are important and relevant and entomology is relevant. I mean, obviously, when when we're talking about gardening and things of that nature, then we can't not talk about the bugs and the, the insects just because we have to be mindful of the entire setting. We have to be entire in, in mindful of the entire ecosystem. That's the word I was looking for. OK, so entomology came first. And how did you get into entomophagy, which I think we already were very specific about telling everyone that entomophagy is the consumption of bugs. Yes. So when did you start eating bugs? Well, technically I started eating bugs in like junior high school when my mom dared me to eat a mealworm for $10. I'm like, yeah, $10, that's Subway. I didn't start to deliberately eat insects until we'll say 2011. That's when I went back to Iowa State. At some point, I learned that this is my spiel. I tell everybody. Yeah. Iowa State has the third largest entomological literature collection in the nation. So I'm like, I closed everything up and I went to that section and I randomly picked out a book. It was labeled edible. I had no clue what I was doing. So I pick it up. It is written by Daniela Martin and it's about her experience with entomophagy. She drops a whole bunch of facts a whole bunch of articles and whatnot. And then from there, I'm just like, bro, it makes so much sense. What I wanna do, what I can do with my entomology degree is make money based off of entomophagy and teaching people about eating insects. And on top of that, I'm bored with eating chicken and pork and beef and all this other stuff in my life for how many years? I'm like, this is such a game changer. I get to change my diet now. So my goal with entomophagy when I first learned about it was to change my diet because I can't teach people things that I'm not doing. And so my goal was to get where I'm eating insects on a regular basis. And so from there, I literally just started to look for different companies that were entomophagy based. I know so many companies that tried so many different insects and had different products with insects in them. And now I'm here. It's one of my natural follow up questions to when you got started would be and I'm, I feel like everybody's kind of wondering this about the gag factor of it all, where it's like, you know, when people find out, I'm, I know I'm not the first one that you don't talk to about this. There's plenty of responses that you have received when people learn that about you. And I'm curious as to what kind of response you have received. There's a spectrum and it goes from hell no. <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes, that makes so much sense. How, who, what, where, when, why, how can I? And then there's- Oh, they're interested in in joining you. Absolutely. So like you're, and so with the hell not spectrum all the way to, oh my gosh, who, what, where, when, why, how, I'm gonna put you right towards the, how can I join you spectrum, right? Cause you're past the, uh, you're, you're in the, huh, okay. 
Well, you know what I will say is I never was in the hell now just because I have been aware of the fact that it's a thing. And I had seen, especially in watching a lot of like travel channel and seeing them go and like Bizarre Foods, especially that was one of my favorite shows. And so I'm like, listen, if it's bizarre, I'm interested. At least I'm open minded. If we are able to be open minded, then that is a part of the whole concept of tolerance where we are able to be a lot more like gracious in giving people room to be who they are and do what it is they do because you are entitled to that. That is your right. And you have reasons, scientific reasons even, because as an entomologist, you're a scientist. Mm-hmm. So it's like, first of all, let's let's respect it. But if all people know about you is that you do consume bugs, then I can see how the hell no factor would come up where they just want to, it's like I can imagine that when you get the hell no, it is also accompanied with some kind of casting you into like this weirdo box. (laughs) What I really appreciate and admire about you is that the way her chill is set up, y'all, like I don't see how you'd be phased by it. Has anybody ever like truly gotten on your nerves with their response? Honestly, no. I can't help myself, but I end up judging somebody else because it's just like, well, you're so stuck. That's not me. I'm just like, that's a stuck person, y'all. You see that stuck person over there? That just you means that you even open your mind. Mm-hmm. To even hearing what I'm saying, I'm like, that's not my problem. You're really saying a lot about, because it's, it's, to me, I like for people to get like the broader message there, which is that and whatever it is that you do that may not be commonly accepted, what you do should not be affected by how people feel about what you do. You know, especially if you know where your heart is and you know that you've done your research and and things like that. So I want to give you a big old shout out for that, for being just standing in it. Like this, this just me like, well, shit, it's more for me then. like (laughs) get up out my plate. (laughs) Exactly. So you got that spectrum. And like I said, I just, because I was open-minded, I was never on the hell now part of it. And I had seen people consuming treats that they look good. I was just like, wow, okay, I can see how, cause you know, this is a saying, especially with black people where it's like, yo, I eat anything as long as you season it, right? Yeah, It's a texture thing. And it's also like, a, there's the ick factor, but there's also like this taboo because I know in America, that's just not part of our culture. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to it, but I really do want to make sure that we tie in the another term. Y'all are going to you're going to learn. This is one of those episodes. If you should be learning from every episode, but this is definitely an episode where like we, we might even have us a little glossary because the next term is entotarian. Yes. Tell us about what an entotarian is. An entotarian is someone who solely consumes insects as their protein source, as their meat source. So just like there's a pescatarian that only eats fish for their meat source. Yes. I'm looking forward to becoming an entotarian. Oh, you're looking forward to becoming an entotarian? Yes, I love game. I'm not walking away from game right now. I love, give me some deer, give me some rabbit, give me some chitlins at Christmas, unfortunately, but fortunately. I literally have my days and I think we all have days where it's just like, dang, I can go for some meat right now. Mm, That's a human thing because, you know, we are by nature. What is it? Omnivorous. Am I saying it right? Omnivorous. So 
So if you really going to be open minded, y'all, then consider like in as part of our omnivorous nature as humans. Look, no matter how you feel about it or no matter what the culture dictates or whatever, we've been doing this. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to the history of our people, black people, people of color, not even just black people, but like some people may think that that's something that white people would be more inclined to do just because of, you know, I ain't going to get into all of that, but it's like that weird kind of fringe stuff is generally kind of reserved for we're thinking that, oh, that's just, that's not like something white folks would do, but we're debunking that kind of stuff. We're decolonizing our minds. So I'm sorry. Yes. Could you speak to how far back that goes? If you think back to when humans couldn't talk, right? We're all over in Africa doing our thug thizzle. You have the hunters that go and grab food, and then you got the foragers. Foragers mm. are your berries, your grubs, your smaller insects. And because it's more difficult to get your, your huge meat source, if that wasn't gathered that day, then you're going to survive off of your grubs and stuff. And that's exactly how cultures still consume insects. They are one with bugs. They know the seasons, the best seasons. They know the right stages based off of the seasons or the right stages based off of the insects. And you can't just get that from anywhere. That's passed on from generation to generation. That just mm. shows you far back we've been eating insects. The Mopane caterpillar in, cat- in uh, Africa is a really popular caterpillar that is still consumed today. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chapulines, which are locusts, are still consumed today. We've been consuming insects for so long, we have just been Americanized and that has been pushed out of our culture to the point where we're looking at all these other cultures and we're like, that's weird. When did you guys start to do that? But it's, they just never stopped. Whenever you look over at our mother homeland, whether, whatever they're eating insect wise, they, we've been eating that. They've been eating that. Right, right. It's not like this is just some kind of isolated, random population of people. There's like this deeply rooted culture that goes back many generations, like you said, to the beginning of civilization, because I guess it was intuitive. I mean, what is that study when when we're going back and we're studying how people used to eat? Anthropology. Is it a specific branch of anthropology or it's... I'm not sure if it's there. But I think anthropology, you are are exploring the human from the Mm -hmm. beginning all the way up until now. And then Mm -hmm. everything that studying a human consists of the diet lives our cultures all the above it's all included in there that's it that's really it so yeah if you're fortunate enough to know an anthropologist then holler at them about it they can tell you in greater detail but what we do know is that this is not something new and as americans the way our culture is set up that's one thing but the way that we view other cultures that are different from us, especially in like judging or kind of saying that there's something otherly about it, that's hindering us. You get what I mean? It's like, you know, that's kind of like xenophobic for lack of a better word, which is probably not the best word, but similar. So speaking on dietary things, can you tell us about some of your faves? I don't have any favorites, only because there are over 2000 edible insects. That we, I don't have, I don't know what they are, where they are. I only know about a few of them. So I can't tell you that if that one's my favorite, I've never had it. Okay. Produced right now, especially 
with it being up and coming in America, they're manufactured technically. And so the, those flavors are not my favorite whatsoever. So I can get processed. Okay. So for instance, I prefer fresh crickets over dried crickets. And we don't have a market here that sells fresh crickets. I just got the hookup on my fresh crickets because I know her and mm-hmm. she's giving me fresh frozen crickets. Yeah. You can find a lot of companies that will sell you dried crickets, but some of them are overbaked. Some of them aren't seasoned right, or they just don't know how to do it. So it tastes funny. Miss cool. Shelby with another plug. She, I know the process of her seasoning and I'm like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's why it's good. That's why I like her dried crickets. They're t- they're, to me, if I want a light, quick chip snack that's healthy, sustainable, mm-hmm. dried crickets, right? Mm-hmm. Actually cooking food, I prefer fresh everything no matter what, just like mm-hmm. I wouldn't get banana chips all the time. I want real bananas at some point. I don't have favorites. I deliberately choose to eat local to keep my carbon footprint really low. And so the two things that I can for sure get locally are crickets from Jiminy Crickets and also silkworms from my local Asian grocery store. If anybody Mm -hmm. has a store, I guarantee you they have at least silkworms. If you're lucky, you get grasshoppers also. Okay, that's good to know. I was definitely going to ask, where does one begin on that journey if they're looking for that? Because it's definitely not down to the big box stores who I'm not going to name because what for? Y'all don't even have them. Why am I even going to call you out? Always try your local cultural stores. So like, let me hit this African store real quick. Like, let me see what they got in there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hit, um, the Mexican grocery store. Let me see what the, I, I went into my local Mexican store and I'm like, do y'all got Chapulinas? They didn't question anything. I said, they go, no, we don't. Sorry. That's they're it. it. They're not like, oh my God, grasshoppers are like, no, sorry, not today. You don't. Okay. okay. want to hit your local cultural grocery stores. Besides that recommendation, what I thought about was how there's all these possibilities for, I'm sure somebody might be intrigued enough upon hearing this to decide, you know what, I might have considered that or whatever. I'm going to go check that out and just consider what you might could find on your journey. You might, you might be single, you might could find you a boo or something. You never really know the possibilities, you know what I'm saying? And speaking of that, speaking of those connections, have you found community with other like-minded people sharing recipes or something like that. Is there a community that exists? I would imagine. There is an American entomophagy community. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, And what does that community look like? Are there black people in it? There, ooh, are there black people in there? Hold on, let me take myself back to Brooklyn Bugs. Are there black people? I know for sure I'm looking at one black person in my head. Um, (laughs) You just literally are going back in your brain right now. No, not really. Nobody's really surprised at that. We got a long way to go before we can get back there, right? So, I mean, you did your best. You was like, I think it might have been one sister in there. Was it a conference or something? You said Brooklyn. Brooklyn Bugs is, or at some point was, an annual conference, I suppose, yes, mm-hmm. geared towards entomophagy. Mm-hmm. Three days of all things entomophagy. The... Went to that bad boy and Chef Joseph Yoon is cooking something up and he's just like, go ahead and walk around, go mingle with people. We brought in companies that are entomophagy based companies. Go talk to this cricket company. Go talk to that cricket powder company. Go yeah. talk to that Chapulina's company and go buy your products, support them. And mm-hmm. by the time that I'm going to have some trays, some entrees out, people are going to be walking around with. Yes bugs to eat and that was a whole event i paid for like the top-notch part because i'm like i'm in it 
I want to be yeah. in it. You're true to it. Yes. That's it. Oh, I could just see that. Like for me, the way my nerdiness is set up, I love a good conference. So I feel like that would be a good way to get introduced to something that you're not familiar with. And mm-hmm. what better company to be in when you're trying out something like, you know, eating bugs for the first time, then an encouraging crowd, a mm-hmm. crowd that will be able to tell you, oh, no, girl, like, don't eat the legs. You know what I'm saying? Or you got to chew it up real good. Make sure you don't just you don't want to. I don't know. Ooh, is there like wine pairings? Yes, there's a lovely lady. Ooh, Saucy, I don't remember her name right now. Allie, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, with Buggable. She's done wine pairings and whiskey pairings. I'm a whiskey guy myself. I know Chef Josephine at Brooklyn Bugs did a cricket infused something whiskey drink. So I'm like, yeah. I know. So I. Yeah, I've attempted a cricket infused. Did you say you were a bartender? Bartender, yes. I successfully attempted cricket infused hot toddy, and no one you can't taste anything but your hot toddy. Do you know what a hot toddy is? I have an idea. What goes in it? Fresh squeezed lemon, fresh honey, hot water, and whiskey. And Grandma says proof, so I always try to do a hundred proof whiskey or more. And that's just the hot toddy. It's a good winter drink. It helps yes. you when you do well also. So I did a cricket infused hot toddy. I would love. I'll try that. Like, I mean, if I could drink it, but okay, texture wise, like how do you infuse crickets into a drink? Is that going to give me any kind of graininess or is it smooth? Like you said, I couldn't tell. So I'm like, I'm going to take your word for it. It is smooth. You'll get a little graininess, but it's, a, it's the exact graininess that you would get from steeping tea in like a tea steeper, how your graininess falls to the bottom. Oh. So I don't yeah. think that's the first place. That's all you get. So you can continue to stir it and then sip that and it's still smooth or you can just sip mm-hmm. with it. So it looks just like your tea that mm-hmm. just, and that's it. I was definitely going to get you to elaborate on, on the entomophagy of it all, just because that's the thing where people are going to be like, yo, word. Okay. That's, you know, like, like that's the headline essentially. But I want to ask you just maybe one or two more questions about that in particular for beginners, maybe like a recipe for beginners, maybe like, would you suggest like a, a cricket powder smoothie for someone who might be interested specifically in the nutritional benefit but not so much interested in like looking a cricket eye to eye on the plate. You know what I mean? Yes, I absolutely would recommend any powder form of insect or edible insect that you can find if you don't want to see the actual insects. And with powder forms, you can do whatever you want with them. You can add it to the top of your oatmeal. It looks like cinnamon. You can add it I put it in my waffles. So I have my cricket waffles with my cricket powder on the inside, of course. And it's Mm -hmm. the same. There's a company out there that actually has cricket baking flour. So you can bake with it, make your brownies, whatever, do it is, make your cake. Whatever you can do with powder, you can just incorporate however you would choose. And so a lot of people will go towards the smoothie because it's easy. Yeah. Um, Lots of different ways. Okay, I think I found my lane because I'm I'm interested in the smoothie, but like legit though, if we could get it in a cupcake, <laughs> if you could get it in a pastry, is there a pastry that uses a bug protein powder? Not that I know of. I know Auntie Google might know. Um, Auntie Google knows everything. I know um, Buggy focuses on 
I, she's a great baker. I look at her pictures all the time and it's just like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so be on Instagram and then Seek Foods, they're the ones that have the cricket flour and the cricket powder. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, I have the book too. They have a, I wish I had it right now. They have a whole entire recipe book on baking. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no set company right now that is just all like your pastries and whatnot with crickets, but there's companies that are getting there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, like I said, once I find out about like a good cricket honey bun or like, you know, like a silkworm kind of like a, I don't know, some pancakes or frosting or something, that'll be my lane. We'll get into that. But of course, I will include everything that you mentioned. I'll get that in the notes so that the curious can indulge their themselves in that because it's worth a try. It's worth looking into. And we'll talk a little bit more after this about, you know, a few more other details relationships has your entomophagy ever affected a relationship that you were in has it ever ran anybody away i've only been in two relationships the first one was pre-entomophagy the second one was post-entomophagy the post-entomophagy mm-hmm. one is all for it and he's actually a videographer so he's just like let me take pictures of it for you let me help you with oh. it now being single in the dating world that's actually something that i'm worried about because mm-hmm. i a gentleman asked me the other day and he goes, so do you like to cook? And it's just like, yes, but bugs. And, so, uh, and I've like, like we mentioned before, I'm not worried about what anybody thinks about me, but right. I do wonder at times. You don't so, want to be cast out. You don't want to miss out on the opportunity for a connection that would otherwise have not been an issue if it were not for that factor of your life. I mean, I don't mind missing out because it's meant to be my edible insects are going absolutely nowhere. It's just, I'm um, curious to i don't know it's just it just sparks curiosity in my head to yeah. be like study bugs so it looks like i'm not cooking you anything and that's exactly. right and if you want to cook something with bugs cool i got you happily because the word really is i don't know if y'all caught that word but she's just like if somebody's not interested in me because of that one one factor, there's so much about you. I'm sure that there are other qualities about you that people could find undesirable. Like, why get caught up on that? I'm not saying that you're undesirable. You get what I mean. But it's yeah. like, perhaps you snore. Perhaps you be real loud when you clip your toenails. You know, it's like, get to know me and my other obnoxious traits, not judging me off of what I eat. You know what I'm saying? Because you ain't running up on nobody judging them based off of what their fast food choices are or, you know, how much butter they consume or what they decide that they want to drink or not drink. I don't know. So, yeah, everybody be tolerant. You feel me? So, okay, back to entomology, right? One of the things that really stood out to me in uh, our initial conversation was when you were describing crops specifically an infestation in crops and what we could do that I had not ever considered. And when I say an infestation, I mean an infestation of bugs. Like give us a few examples of ways that crops end up getting like completely depleted by bugs and tell us what you think that we should consider as a solution for that. I was just talking to a gentleman at the bar about this the other day. So, for instance, the ear, is it the, the corn, corn earworm? 
corn borer, whatever it is, the corn something. It's a caterpillar that bores into your corn and ruins your corn. Too many of them can ruin a crop of corn. And I live in Iowa. We're corn and we're soybean. If you have your corn. It's real out there. Yes. Soybean, you have your aphids, and I'm not sure if aphids are edible. They're really tiny, but they they can. I just but they can reproduce at an exponential, ridiculous rate. Aphids are born pregnant. They do not need. (laughs) Saying that is funny to me, but it's science. But go ahead. It is. So if we allowed a crop to go unsprayed, Mm -hmm. no. Emos, no nothing. If we just grew a corn of crops and let it do its thing and hopes to yield from that crop, the corn earworm just decided to take over that season, whatever it is. If we learned how to harvest the pest of that crop because they're in mass, then we could technically make more money because that's a protein source and the protein source is always more. The protein source is more, right. So when we are... I just pulled it up on the screen. Is this what it is? Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's two versions. There's the brown one and the white one. They do their thistle. So, yeah. Okay. This one right here with the spots on it. What's that? We're so, looking at pictures, y'all. Go it's ahead. a large caterpillar, and that's what ruins your corn. But you can take but you can eat them, though. Yeah, you can take those bad boys, and you can actually grind them up into a paste and make flour corn tortillas. Next level. It's, I don't see how it would taste different if this is a creature that eats corn if it eats corn don't it taste like corn exactly see open your minds tomato hornworms are a pest of tomatoes you can eat the tomato hornworm yo i literally wrote that down i was gonna ask you because you know gardeners those of you who are still with us because i'm not sure everybody can make it this far but shout out to those of you who who are who are taking this journey with us. But yo, hornworms, mm-hmm. they real fat though. Like I'm just saying, like if I was hungry and I didn't have no option, but that particular bug, I feel like I could get full off of like four of them. Mm-hmm. Them some big ass bugs. Mm-hmm. So you're rest- telling me you have for a recipe the- for hornworms. Yeah, for the tomato hornworms specifically to go on top of a fried green tomato. So you fry the hornworm. It's like they go together. Do they taste like tomato though? I don't know. I never had one of those. I've had a tobacco hornworm and it was smoky. Get out. Yeah. Wait, what, how did you eat the tobacco hornworm? Brooklyn Bugs, homie. Chef Joseph Yoon did tobacco hornworms on a stick and then he had some, he seasoned them right. He's a professional chef. And then he had some, like sauce to go on top and you just eat them off the stick. They were good. See, okay. That's another way to get me in is sauce. Like, cause everybody loves a good sauce condiment or whatever. And I feel like perhaps we got options, but I mean, I'm over here shopping or whatever. It's fine. I'll keep y'all posted on my entomophic journey, but let me just make sure that we emphasize this point that you made because we was talking back about entomology and you were discussing how it's much more practical economically to harvest the bugs that we find in an infestation situation. It's not a total loss. We couldn't save that crop because the bugs got to it in in great numbers that just ruined it. So who would come in and and harvest all of these bugs? It's not like you just, you don't know. We came up with- How you gonna be shrugging on a podcast, girl? Like (laughs) Admitting when I don't know, but at the same time, we know that creates jobs. 
That's all it does. Mm-hmm. Jobs. It creates jobs for engineers to engineer some thing, uh, manufacture something that can harvest those properly, pick out the right size, don't squish them, do this, go over the corn, get your good corn, get your bad corn, do whatever it is. We have machines that do that for peaches, apples, oranges, corn. They get the bugs off of them? No, they don't get the bugs off of them, but they pick the, the right things. They separate by size. And all this thing does is it goes to the field, it harvests for them, and it puts them in like these little bins accordingly. And we yeah. can do that for fruits and vegetables and all these other crops in the whole entire world, then we should be able to do that for bugs. It's just going to create more jobs. And we have to get there at some point, but we're, we're nowhere near there right now. Okay. And, and I like that you said that because really... That leads me to how we'll how we'll get to the wrap up, which is where do you see the future of entomophagy going? I mean, we know you're an entomologist. We know that you got your studies. But like I said, the headline here is like, yo, entomophagy is actually like extremely intriguing. It's to nobody else to me. And I, this if this episode just going to be for me, that's fine because I enjoyed it. All right. But you indicated something about what how it's kind of coming around I, I did hear you indicate in America that it's it's kind of catching on it mm-hmm. what are your predictions for whether or not it could possibly be a trend or you know it could be more socially acceptable the first avenue is everybody's going to hop on board out of fear because one of the main things that a lot of people say is bugs are the future of food we're going to have this many billions mm-hmm. of the world and how are we going to feed everybody so people are going to feel forced to eat bugs and then they're going to feel forced to go to these said companies that are promoting that and then they're going to eat those products and then we're going to be stuck with a whole nother three main people that we get our food from see yeah because i just that was naturally my mind just went to like these larger conglomerates because y'all if you think that you have a lot of options about where you're getting your food from there's this uh what is it the I like to call it the illusion of options. Mm-hmm. It's really like three main sources. And it's similar to like what's happening with the concept of legalizing marijuana, right? It's like you got your Philip Morris or whoever it is that is like the main tobacco people. They're just going to get in and then you're going to be going to like once in the future when when all of us are having access and it's just regular part of society for us to consume marijuana. Because that's what happens with business. They're like, they're going to capitalize off the opportunity. Absolutely. So that's one avenue. Another avenue is the people who are on the up and coming to self-sustain. And that's a community within itself. And it's getting bigger and bigger as Mm. like, especially since we're now in a pandemic. The times dictate, yes. Exactly. People are going to eventually become educated on entomophagy. How? It depends on people like me, people like you to spread the word like this Mm -hmm. and give options for different companies and different forms of education. And then from there, it's going to be up to those people to say, okay, local Asian grocery store, local African grocery store, local Mexican grocery store. What do you have for me? What can I do for myself? Local farmers, local cricket farmer, Jiminy Crickets. Can I get some fresh frozen crickets and help you help yourself help me? That's Mm -hmm. a, a whole Another way. And then within that avenue also, people are going to learn to forage because keeping a different fauna instead of getting rid of ecosystems to to build one ecosystem is 
important. So if people learn to forage in America, mm-hmm. that means get rid of pesticides. I'm so excited for that part. And then really, yes. And and then learn to go into the woods certain season and dig into this bark and get your grub and understand that you might walk out with five, but that's still five that you didn't have before. But then you mm-hmm. still have beans and your vegetables to add that into. So you have your protein. Mm-hmm. do that every day or something like that maybe farmers markets will finally have something set where we have vendors like myself out there who is the one that went to go forage and or i just have like an insect farm and that is specific. i was just gonna ask you that yeah because i'm like you could easily grow a crop based on knowing that it will attract this insect and so that allows you to be the purveyor of that insect because you're able to source it in that way right but see i still i don't want to grow one certain crop though i'd i'd be the person to grow different things within each other and Mm -hmm. certain ecosystem but then have a natural ecosystem around that too to be able to get your rare insects that i can charge more for because they're rare insects and be able to provide that for people just like you go to the farmer's market and there's a certain pig that you can't get at the grocery store and they charge up the wazoo for that i'm gonna buy that not the pig but like i'm out here like (laughs) give me some rabbit i was talking to a farmer the other day like y'all got rabbit i'll take your rabbit i'll pay whatever for it i can't Mm -hmm. get that and you got some deer i'll pay for that too it's it's just like that. It's, it's a word of mouth. It's a providing thing. It's yeah. And then another avenue is going to be the one just like sushi. Sushi became popular in the 1970s when a celebrity got their hands on it. And everybody was like, oh, oh that. yeah, celebrity mm-hmm. is eating sushi. I want some sushi. And people who were just like, oh, yeah, sushi or oh, ill sushi. We had to Americanize it so people could become a part of that that trend. And so the cow is not your average Sushi roll. We made that. That's not real. Yeah, I was it. literally going to say, I'm like, that's how you got the California roll. So it's, basic. It's going to be a f- some different avenues like that. So it's, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see and it's interesting to watch it grow. But right now, it's just the entomophagy community that are currently building up the idea of becoming an entoterran or even incorporating insects into a meal. I think Chef Joseph Yoon does a really great job at making these beautiful dishes. You think my pictures are pretty? His, like, he's a chef. He's a professional yes. chef. Mm-hmm. They, look, they look delectable. Dude made a cricket encrusted fried chicken. So I'm like... See, that okay. might be another way to get me in because like, if you can encrust a fried situation with it, if you fry it, though, in general, black <laughs> people probably will show up. <laughs> And then there goes your sauce opportunity because you got to dip it. (laughs) Exactly. We're Mm. just learning to to incorporate and to educate properly so everybody can choose the avenue that they want. And I really hope that everybody's on board with everything besides the fear of I have to eat bugs. You don't have to eat bugs. I never tell anybody that they have to eat bugs. I recommend it. I only highly recommend eating insects occasionally, just like I'd recommend recycling. If you recycle, Mm -hmm. small difference, but it's a difference. If you want to start, be fine. You want to start with cricket powder? Perfect. You are making a difference. You're making a choice to make a difference, to lower your carbon footprint, to be sustainable. And so I think if we just all start there, we'll figure out the avenue that we want to take. But I think that we will avoid the feeling or the need to be forced to eat insects. And that will keep us on that. (laughs) I believe it. I don't care. Like sometimes you just got a dog in the back shit. It's a damn pandemic. They homeschooling. 
that will keep us from choosing the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And I guarantee you those corporations out there that are forcing people to feel like they need them are the corporations that taste like, can I curse? I just cussed like a bunch of times. It tastes like ass. And I've had those products before. There's corporations out there that are money-based that want you to believe that you need to eat insects because the world is coming to an end. How are we going to feed you? Eat this. It straight tastes like manufactured ass. And I've, we don't want that. and I've pointed those companies out and I will text you what company that is so you don't try it, but I don't know if I want to. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and text me that. Yeah. Tell us how we can find you and how we can support you. You can find me on Instagram. I am ent tune that's en dot t-u-n-e and then uh, i'm also as insect inside that's my main insect page it's i-n-s-e-c-t-i-n-s-i-g-h-t i think i haven't been in the show notes second i'm definitely von roach wherever i go v-o-n-n-r-o-a-c-h the main thing to find me on is in tune and uh von roach Ask her some questions. Reach out to her. Tell her Black in the Garden sent you. All right. Thank you so much. And as I close out all of my interviews, I want to wish you love, light, and soil. Hey.